the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very interesting show today. You're going to want to stay tuned for these two great interviews. I will be talking with a man named Brandon Weikert. Brandon Weikert has written a book. It's called Winning Space... How America Remains a Superpower. It's a very important issue. I'm excited to have him on. We'll talk with him. He's also got a blog. Uh, we'll put that on, uh, on social media. And then we'll also talk today with uh, my friend, longtime friend, Kimberly Fletcher. I mentioned the other day I was going to try to have her on. She's having a rally for moms. She's a great organizer of, uh, of political constituents and mostly around her own experience as a mom and as a, a mother, excuse me, as a mom and a wife. And she'll be on and talk about a big rally that's coming up this weekend. All right, so we'll get to all that. But first, what you need to know, what you need to know. Let me give you a slight review here. You need to go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the Daily Wink. That's what you need to know. The Wink comes in your email box. It's, it's gotten huge. We've got about 80,000 people who subscribe to it every morning, email addresses they go out. So get signed up there, ProAmericaReport.com. And on the same website, you can see it kicks through. You can see all the interviews we're doing. They're posted there. But also, you want to go on Twitter and follow me, at Eagle Ed Martin. And when you do, you will put on the notifications. And when I go and post a Twitter video, which is through the service Periscope, um, you will get a notification you can see or just go to my Twitter feed and see those each morning at 9.45 a.m. Uh, uh, East Coast time. I do the wink in the morning. All right. The wink in the morning. And then about um, five hours later, a little bit, four hours and 15 minutes later, I do another uh, I do another wink it's that's at 2 p.m east coast time 11 a.m pacific time and i do another wink and that's what you can see it's a lot like this one but the wink in the morning is getting very popular it's all very shorter about five minutes instead of 10 or 15 and uh, which is a regular wink and so go check that out and this morning i mentioned something that's important and i'll get to what you need to know but uh, the big what you need to know here's what you need to know about early voting absentee balloting and uh, and even um uh, mail-in balloting there's huge numbers that have participated that way Okay, two things you need to know what you need to know. One is 
conservatives are voting just as much as liberals. In fact, some places more. In other words, it's not been a tool just for the left to vote. It's been for everybody. And so that's a big thing to know. You know, in fact, if you want to vote, go vote, right? Make conservatives, liberals, libertarians, old people, young people, lots of people voting, early voting, mail-in voting, and absentee balloting. But here's a, a characteristic of that group and their voting. The characteristic is that they tend to be the decideds. In other words, the people that already know how they're going to vote, they want to go out and vote. They're pretty intense about it, right? I hate Trump. I'm going to go vote. I love Trump. I'm going to go vote. I love Biden. Does anybody love Biden? I haven't heard that. I hate Biden. I don't know if anybody hates him, but they just don't think he's good for the country. But my point here is the people who are voting early, the people who are voting um, uh, mail-in and absentee, they're the decideds. They're not the ones that are necessarily going to be persuaded by a rally or an ad or even even a miscue. If you think Joe Biden made a terrible mistake in pencil by talking about fracking, eliminating fracking and getting rid of the uh, of the uh, uh, effect of um, uh, the uh, and, and the the. So if you know that you just have to know those are the undecideds, the undecideds, excuse me, those are the decideds. Those are the people that are going in to vote. Now, I, I suppose there are some that are undecided, but mostly not. So here's my point here is one late uh, a barrage of, of media, uh, of, of paid TV ads, which is what Biden's doing, might work, but may, maybe. And paid, uh, excuse me, and earned media by Trump, all this uh, energetic uh, uh, rallies, that, that does work, right? So what you have here, I mean, is down the stretch, you have an opportunity to make a difference. You do. I do. To persuade our friends about our neighbors, our, our family, about what's at stake. And if you think Bobolinsky, this gentleman that was interviewed on Tucker last night, shows Trump uh, Biden's corruption, that's important. Seems to me it shows that the Biden family was going for getting trying to make money off of uh, Biden's service in government, which is, again, not, I don't think it's against the law. It's odd that they're going to China. It's odd that they're sort of using the phrase plausible deniability, but I, I think some voters may be persuaded by that. But more voters are persuaded by the fact that Biden's in the swamp. He's just a swamp guy. But here's where I want to get to what you need to know today. This is the big one. General Mike Flynn earlier today, uh, I guess in the last 24 hours, he tweeted a message that was very succinct and very straightforward. He wrote this on Twitter over the next seven days. Leave it all on the field. The enemy uses fear to decrease our hope and limit our victories. Patriots and freedom will be victorious. And then he quotes Isaiah 43 verse one. You are mine. Now, what I want you to know is General Flynn has been generally pretty silent. He's tweeted maybe 10 times in the last eight months, nine months, year. I can't even think I can think of he tweeted once the American flag when he was on a hike. He tweeted once his uh, uh, grandson saying the Pledge of Allegiance. He tweeted once or twice about the uh, Sidney Powell and the case and all. And then he tweeted this one. His marching orders are pretty darn clear. I hope you heard them. For seven days, we've got the window to make a difference, to persuade not the decideds that voted early, but the undecideds, the uncertain, the worried, the scared. And we have to not be the ones that sit on our couch. Pick up the phone, call your friends, pick up the, the uh, get your laptop open, email your friends, get off the couch, go see your friends, family, others, and help people make sure they get to the polls if they have problems getting the polls. And just the energy needs to continue in that direction. I'll talk 
in the next few days about how I see the election going. And I can tell you it's all good right now. I've told you the Trump surge is surging and the Biden fade is fading. But we'll talk more about that. But for now, General Flynn is not a, um, a newbie. He's not a kid. He's been through wars. For the last three and a half years, he's been fighting for his family and himself for their future. Literally fighting for his life. But he's been fighting for us because he's exposed what happened dramatically. He's put us in a position where we have a better sense of what the truth of our, our, our broken uh, 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 intelligence community and, and others in government, the deep state, what they've done. But he's fought for his own life and his own family, his wife, his sons, his grandchildren, his family. And we, but what we have to see, what my point is, he's not a kid. He's not a 25-year-old political consultant. He's not a um, he's not the son of the president or as much as I like all those folks. He's a battle hardened, experienced. Adult man, a man, a man who's led men into battle. He's led people into battle. He's had people die because of his decisions. When he writes that tweet, He's not writing it because he's interested to see how many likes he gets or retweets. He's writing because there is an urgency of now. And, and he's taking the time out of his battle. I, I texted with him earlier today. Actually, we were texting. I didn't talk to him. I misspoke earlier on my, on my Twitter feed, on my Periscope. I said I talked to him. Uh, nowadays, texting is talking. And I, we went back and forth. And he's, he's uh, finishing up some family stuff. He's meeting with Sidney Powell. And he's, uh, he'll be back in Rhode Island to vote. He's focused on, again, the fight for his life and the corrupt system that's put him in this position, the persecution of General Mike Flynn where the process is the punishment because there's no crime. But he's focused in his message on saying to you and me, seven days, seven days, seven days. Leave it all on the field. Leave it all on the field of battle, of sports. He was an athlete growing up. He played sports growing up, of course. But he knows what we know. He knows the language we know. Leave it all on the field. And, and, and in seven days, we've got to make sure that everything we're done, we're exhausted. There'll be plenty of fights afterwards in terms of making sure the votes count, making sure that things go well. But what we know to control is between now and Tuesday, there's plenty of people who haven't voted, who haven't decided, who maybe you're one of them that you haven't voted yet. You've got to get to the polls. You've got to double down. You've got to make the commitment. He's asked us to do it. Actually, it's not true. He's ordered us to do it. He's ordered us to do it. General Mike Flynn, and that's an order. That's how I tweeted back. Order received. Yes, sir. That's my message to you. What you need to know is what he said. And two things related. Every day at at, uh, 2 o'clock when I do my periscope, I do the Pledge of Allegiance. I start it with the Pledge of Allegiance because we've got to have the Pledge of Allegiance to unite us. And I've said Operation Stars and Stripes, which is caught on like wildfire, post a simple flag on your Twitter feed or Facebook. No message. Just the American flag. In front of your house, if you're sick of your Trump sign getting torn down or you don't even want to be bothered, just stick an American flag. People in this country know one side is for the flag and one side is for burning Philadelphia. One side is for the flag and the other side is for making deals with China for 47 years. And after that, Joe Biden. One side is for the American flag and the symbol and the and the statement it makes about God and and man and freedom and a bright future. And the other side 
is about locking down and shutting down our schools and telling us we will take no risks. Your families will be destroyed. Your business will be destroyed. But we'll sit here worrying about a virus. It's it's a time for choosing. And General Flynn just um, gave us some orders. And the order now is, do you obey? Will you obey his order? Will you choose to do what's needed for seven days? I think you will. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I said we'll talk about with this author about uh, the situation, a big threat about America and, and space and all the other things. We'll also talk with Kimberly Fletcher about how moms and their children can unite. Leave it all in the field. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, last week I mentioned that I had a, I had noticed that there was a new publisher, relatively new uh, in the last few years, called Republic Book Publishers. Uh, Al Regnery is involved with that. Of course, he was uh, involved with Regnery Publishing, sold it a few years ago. But I was intrigued, and one of their people sent me a couple of books that Republic uh, Book Publishers put out. One of them is called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, and it's by Brandon Weikert. Brandon Weikert is... Uh, well, I guess I'd say he's, a, among other things, he's an author. He writes over at American Greatness, uh, which I love. AmGreatness.com is their website. He also uh, has written all over the place. Real Clear, Real Clear Public Affairs um, and um, American Spectator, too. That's the one I remember seeing. And he's also a, 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 a kind of... Um, not just a writer, but as an analyst all over the place. So, but here's the thing about this: I can tell you, uh, and welcome first of all to the program, Brandon. Uh, Brandon, excuse me. And I can tell you, this is a huge issue um, for uh, us, for meeting the Phyllis Schlafly organization and me. This question of space, and uh, I think a lot of Americans thought, well, why do we quit going to space? You know, it was good. Uh, we learned so much. You know, we the space race yielded such techno- technological breakthroughs. But there's a major national security question, and that. That's what you get into here. So um, tell me, Brandon, did you have an interest in space um, and and this issue w- before we started to, to retreat from our role in, in space? And, and tell me about how you got to this book. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, I've always had an interest in space. It's something that I've always been fascinated by. I grew up in Florida, so I, I was used to uh, seeing the shuttle launches when I was a kid growing up. Uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. though, what really what really piqued my interest was I worked on Capitol Hill, and uh, my first week on the Hill, uh, my boss said, "I want you to go on down to this meeting, uh, you know, make some notes." And basically, it was sort of um, to him not a very important meeting, and it was a bunch <laughs> of former Air Force and NASA NASA people, and they were coming to try to warn us about weaknesses uh, that were forming in our satellite constellations because we had ignored space for so long. Now, this was during, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 2013, 2014, so there was not a lot of money or interest in doing much of anything in the national security area, particularly with space. And so I went down to the meeting, and I, 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 was, I was floored because – the meeting was basically about how we were going to get hit with a space Pearl Harbor if we didn't do more to defend right. our satellites. And basically nobody really cared. And so I thought, wow, this is a pretty important thing. 
maybe I should try to warn people about it. And after a few years of being on the Hill and realizing that it was, you know, like pushing a boulder up a, up a steep hill, it just wasn't going to get noticed. I decided to, you know, I went into academia and then ultimately I had time to, to research and really expand on the observations that I made while working on the Hill in this area. And I ended up writing this book because I, I nobody was listening. And uh, mm. now of course we have, a, we now have a president who wants to do Space Force, who recognizes the threat. And so my hope is that this book sort of gets out and, and is sort of the, the clarion call to, to action, because we need action in this domain. And, and creating a Space Force is a great start, but we need a lot more, and we need consistent commitment to doing more in space if we're going to evade uh, or avoid a Space Pearl Harbor from happening. Uh, we're talking with Brandon Weikert. His book is called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. And before I get to the, the nationalist, uh, uh, national, back to the national security question, I, you know, sometimes, Brandon, it's better to be lucky than good. I think in the last couple of days there was news. There's an asteroid or something coming at America, and, yeah. and, and we're going to land on it. And, and they said that yeah. the, the material on this asteroid is like more wealth, you know, it's nickel, I think, yeah. and some other things than we could ever see. Yeah. My point here is this my segue is if you control space it's a little bit like you know when columbus went across the ocean blue and somebody exactly. got control of the the new world i mean just right. in terms of wealth there's a lot up there right yes and as i know in the book this is exactly like the age of sail when european powers started going to the new world competing to colonize it because they realized not only was there a lot of new territory to settle upon, but there was also vast amounts of wealth in terms of commodities, mineable commodities. Uh, and it's the same thing in space, where we're just at the beginning of this new space age. And you know, people talk about the space age as if, oh, it already happened and went to the moon and came back. That was just a blip. That was the beginning. That was the akin of maybe Leif Erikson and the Vikings brushing up against the Canadian coast <laughs> once or twice. Right. You know, now we're in now we're in the age where the next Columbus is going to happen. And it's a competition now primarily between the United States and China. And space mining is is the future. It is a, the first trillionaire will come from this sector. And yes, there are there's there is an asteroid uh, that is worth seven hundred quadrillion dollars in rare earth minerals uh, that we're looking right. at. We just NASA with the Osiris Rex mission just landed on a nearby asteroid and scooped up material to see what exactly is mineable on that. The Chinese are launching their Neo One satellite. Uh, November 1st. It's a probe that they're going to practice mining asteroids with. Then they're going to launch in the next six months uh, a satellite in geosynchronous orbit that's going to basically take pictures of the asteroid belt and let Chinese scientists determine which asteroids near Earth are mineable. And then they're going to send that NEO-1 probe into the asteroid belt and start robotically harvesting the goods on those asteroids. The Chinese also have plans by the end of the decade to essentially start strip mining the moon because there's a lot of rare earth minerals there. 
And so, you know, we're talking a big game and we're doing some things here and there on, in the United States to do, to do space mining. But the Chinese are the ones who have a consistent ends, ways, means strategy. They want to get there and they want to take it before the Americans can. And they want to have the first mover advantage in the space mining industry. And right now, I think they have the advantage over us because we're just starting to do stuff. But we don't really have a plan, it's sort of slapdash. Hmm. The Chinese have yeah. an actual plan to achieve these things. We're talking with Brandon Weikart, and also Brandon's on Twitter at, at @wethebrandon. I like that, by the way. And then also <laughs> WeikertReport.com, WeikertReport.com. And uh, uh, now, Brandon, uh, back to for a second again. The book is also called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Uh, to put a little fear of people uh, is if you lose space, if the Chinese are dominant in space, it makes a whole lot of other things uh, very difficult, like defending our nation, like uh, keeping our satellites in or I mean, we're not running satellites in space, at least high space. But if you could, you know, if we lose control of the space of space, you you know, you sort of have put somebody over your house, you know, five times a day. Right. And, and it's a major right. threat to our national security. That's correct. And so you have to think of space as the ultimate strategic high ground. Uh, you know, we used to talk mm. about air dominance because we knew yeah. that if we controlled the air above a battle space, we would have control over the land and the sea. Well, now the strategic environment has changed. It's not just land, sea, and air. It's now also cyberspace and space. And cyberspace, as just like land, sea, and air, all relies on satellites to, for our forces to dominate those lower terrestrial domains. And so the Chinese and Russians have figured out, hey, if we can disrupt the functions of those satellites dangling precariously overhead and we can knock them out and then put our own up there and do more than the right. Americans can in, in space, we control the, the Earth at that point. There's, you know, it's sort of like, uh, think of the, the, the famous 300, uh, the 300 Spartans. They decided that they could yeah. stop the massive Persian invasion by blocking the hot gates that led into Greece. Well, eventually the Persians <laughs> yeah. figured out we can go over them by getting to those mountain passes and then we kill them from above. Well, it's very similar with space, where the Americans have control at, on land, at sea, in the air, and we have a lot of competitive edge in cyber. But the Chinese figure and the Russians figure, hey, if we can get in space, the physical space above their heads, there's nothing they can do to stop us. Hmm. It's um, it is uh, it's very important. It's a great topic. I hope it. I hope your book takes off, and I hope also that people uh, well, understand. And by the way, my, my 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 wife was so mad when Obama cut the space, uh, uh, the NASA and everything. So that's and another. A lot of people, a lot of people just felt it. Like why why are we sort of retreating there? But right. the book is Winning Space: How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon Weikert, and I'll put it all up on social media. Brandon, I got to run, unfortunately, but come on again. Let's talk about this as uh, as uh, issues arise. It's a great Great topic. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Kimberly Fletcher, she's been on the show before, longtime friend of mine. She is up to it again, and it's this weekend she's up to it because, well, you might have heard it's Election Day in a few days, um, and she has decided she's very good organizer. Kimberly Fletcher has organized different groups of people to empower them, sometimes in politics, sometimes in policy, sometimes just to get people moving in the right direction. And this effort is focused on November 3rd. So first of all, Kimberly Fletcher, welcome back to the program. How are you today? I am great. I'm great to be with you. It's nice to be with you, and it's been a long, it's been a little while since we talked on the radio. So I'm glad to talk to you now, Kimberly. Um, tell me before we get to uh, your current uh, adventure. Tell us about um, what you've been up to and what you've been over the last three or four or five years. How you have uh, been kind of moving folks uh, into uh, sort of I don't know activism, but at least um, in terms of getting their voices heard. Absolutely. So one of the things that we started back in 2012, it's really been ramping up in the last couple of years, and it's the Cottage Bean Project. And that is what really turns these moms into activists. So the Cottage Bean Project is basically moms inviting, you know, other friends and family women together in discussion groups. And all they do is meet once a month by the end of the year. They have more knowledge and understanding of the Constitution and principles of liberty than the majority of elected officials in the country. And we have had moms who have gone toe-to-toe with elected officials, and they're, like, kind of blown away with these moms. So that gets them excited, because when they realize what America's supposed to look like compared to what it does look like, it's like this major eye-opening experience. And each one of them will grab on to that, whatever that specific issue is that they care about. And sometimes they don't even know you know, right at that moment. But when something like the Kavanaugh confirmation comes up or an election is coming or the Amy Coney Barrett and we and we say, hey, this is happening, then they're excited because they know what that means and they want to get involved. So that's what we've been doing over the course of the last four years is really engaging them where they are, helping them understand our history and our heritage and why it's so important so that when these battles come along, they know what that it's worth fighting for and they're willing to jump into the Fight. We're talking with Kimberly Fletcher, and Kimberly, if you uh, if you go to Twitter, she's at Proud Homemaker uh, on Twitter, and you can kick through kick through to her website, KimberlyFletcher.com, which shows a lot of the stuff she does and all. And of course, Kimberly, uh, I, I know you've heard this before, but I tell our listeners, uh, my old boss, uh, my mentor, and your friend too, the late Phyllis Schlafly, she started out her career in the late, um, excuse me, mid nineteen forties, late forties, fifties, and the, what she was doing was homemakers were studying the congressional reports on communism and, and moving the anti-communist moving fo- movement forward. And, you know, it's classic to say it, but education is power. And uh, and once people understand things better, and especially moms understand th- things better, it um, they can put their political clout into, uh, into action. So that's very cool. Now, let me t- tell me about um, what you've got going now. And before we get to that, there's a lot of talk in the media that the polls show that suburban women and moms and all are offended by Trump's tweets and therefore are running for the hills. I don't think you have necessarily to to, to deconstruct the polls for me, but what's your anecdotal response to that? Um, so I would 
say yes and no. Uh, yes, moms are very offended by his tweet, and they're frustrated by some of the things he says. And I get asked the question all the time, do you think that he's a good role model for your children? And I'm like, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, what I can tell you is they're not running for the hills. What's happening is as we have helped them, it's not just us. So several people are out there doing the messaging. And one of the things I, I asked a mom the other day, I, it's actually my sister, I've been, I've been working on here for a couple of years, and I, I said, okay, if your child is being ripped from your car by a kidnapper, are you just going to sit in your car and go, um, excuse me, can I have my child back? Or is that mama bear going to get out of that car and do whatever it takes, including beating that guy to a bloody ball, to grab your child back? And she's like... Okay, I'm voting for Trump. So what I'm trying to help them understand is that he's a fighter. And if the barbarians are at the gate, do you want a fighter defending the gate? Or do you want a Trojan horse defending the gate? And I, I think once they understand the personal nature of this, then they're like, okay, all right. It's not about personality. It's about what he's doing. And everything he's doing is everything moms want. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. That's the the um. That's uh. As I tell people, and the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say, it, you know, we're we're you're electing a president, not a pastor. One people would say, oh, this that and the other thing. In fact, one of the problems with the modern era is that every single person who steps out in public life will be revealed to be just what we all are, which is a flawed human being. There's no perfect. There's no right. perfect human beings. And when in this modern world where it's sort of gotcha mentality, it sort of drives up uh, drives people away, or at least drives them uh, to distraction. Let's say that. Okay, now Kimberly, Kim, we're talking to Kimberly Fletcher. Tell me about uh, this important event that's taking place. And for folks, I'll preview it so we say it a lot. MomsForTrumpRally.com MomsForTrumpRally.com This isn't a boat rally. This isn't a boat parade. A truck parade. This is Moms <laughs> for TrumpRally.com. Tell us what this is, uh, Kimberly, please. Okay, so we felt that it was really important that if the media is going to continue to ignore us, they disrespect the president, they ignore us, social media is trying to block us out, they are shutting down everybody who has any kind of voice on the conservative side, including the president, and we're like, this is enough. If you keep saying it's about suburban moms, then suburban moms are going to come out and show you what we want, the America that we want to see in the future for our children. And that's the America that President Trump is presidential can start different. One is taking us down a road of socialism, every freedom that we have enjoyed and our families have enjoyed, our children will not have if we do not stand right now and put up a big stop sign. And this election is, is our ability to do that. And so we wanted to, to do a rally for two reasons. One, to stand up for all the principles and values that we care about as moms, the safety and protection of our children, law and order in our communities, the freedoms to open our business, to go to church, all of those things that we care about, and to thank the president who is standing up for those things. That guy, he gets up every day knowing that he's going to be pummeled. I mean, every dart, fiery dart that you can imagine is thrown at that guy. Who else could have taken this? But he still keeps coming. And he doesn't come out and try to, you know, work it out so we all get along. He stands on the line and says, no, I'm going to fight the good fight, no matter what it costs. And we need to be thanking him. And so if he's going to put three constitutionalist judges on the court, then the least we can do is go out there and say, thank you, Mr. President, for 
for holding the line and standing true to everything America stands for and things that moms care about. So we're going to be meeting so, in Washington, D.C. Yeah. to rally for him. Yep. Good. Tell us the details of it, please. Meeting at uh, right in front of the Capitol, in front of the across from the Capitol, in front of the Supreme Court building at two o'clock. We're going to hold a little rally, and then we're going to take our patriotic parade from the Supreme Court building past the Capitol through Union Station and down to the White House. And then we have just like a special little thank you when we get to the to the White House. We're not going in, obviously, but we'll be outside. And uh, those who are not able to join us because a lot of moms want to, but it's you know really late notice, um, we're encouraging them to rally where they are and mm-hmm. record. We are the new media. If, it, if, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. So take pictures, <laughs> take video, live stream, yeah. and there's no way that social media giants can can keep us out if thousands of moms are pushing these mom rally pictures yeah. and videos out there at the same time. So we'll have our voice heard. Good. Well, let me say it again, and I'm running out of time, unfortunately. So it's Sunday, November 1st, this coming Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern time in Washington, D.C. Go to, go to if you just make sure that the way to do it is go to find out more at momsfortrumprally.com. You can do momsfortrumprally.com or moms, the number four, trumprally.com. You go there and find out all the details, and you don't have to attend to be part of it. You can do it uh, virtually. So I've got to run, Kimberly. Kimberly Fletcher, as always, we'll put it all up on social media. You're great, and uh, you're a credit to the country, and thanks for all you do. So we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. It's no big secret that the Department of Veterans Affairs has not always lived up to its mission of providing veterans with the care and assistance they need. However, almost every political candidate of every party has promised to do better for America's heroes. Politicians make these kinds of promises because it plays well in the polls. Americans like the idea of taking care of our veterans. Nonetheless, almost no part of the federal bureaucracy is more famous for waste, mismanagement, and ineptitude than the VA. Either the politicians were incapable of fixing the problem, or else they just didn't care. Speaking to the Veterans of Foreign Wars National Convention on July 26, 2016, then-candidate Donald Trump promised to create a private White House hotline that is answered by a real person 24 hours a day to make sure that no valid complaint about the VA ever falls through the cracks. He went on to say, if a valid complaint is not acted upon, then the issue will be brought directly to me and I'll pick up the phone and fix it myself if need be. For most candidates for public office, this would be an empty promise quickly tossed aside once the election is won. For Donald Trump, making a promise means getting it done. He followed through to the letter. The hotline was launched in June 2017. By October, it was fully staffed with 90% of the team being either veterans themselves or those with veteran family members. In less than two months, the hotline had served more than 10,000 callers. This very moment, any veteran with a complaint about the Department of Veteran Affairs can call 855-948-2311 and speak with a real person about their problem. 
If the VA is ever going to be fixed, the bureaucrats have to be held accountable for their actions. This VA hotline gives a voice to American heroes who want to get the care they've earned. President Trump is fighting for them. He doesn't just give lip service to supporting veterans. He follows through on his promises. Isn't it great to have a president who keeps his campaign promises? At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find out about a new book by Ed Martin that outlines 100 times Donald Trump made a promise to the American people and followed through. The title is Top 100 Trump Promises Made, Promises Kept. Because there's more work to do, join us at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Let me pick up a couple things here at the end of the program uh, that I want to make sure you see. A few days ago, I talked with Mick Mulvaney, the former uh, Office of uh, uh, OMB, Office of Management and Budget uh, for the President of the United States, uh, also the acting director of that consumer uh, financial board that was created by Elizabeth Warren. And of course, he served as chief of staff for a while. Um, and he mentioned to me this lawsuit that was filed on Monday. It's very important in terms of drain the swamp. And you can say to yourself, why did it take so long? for some of these things to happen. But I, I, my argument would be the swamp, as the president has said, is bigger than he ever expected. And there's lots of people in both parties in Congress that protect the swamp, too. And sometimes they protect it without knowing, you know, being unwitting, but sometimes it's witting. But um, anyway, Trump, uh, President Trump released as an executive order and the executive order, uh, which was signed by the president, would require that the certain people who work in the federal government be designated as policymakers and policy determining officials. And uh, and therefore, they shouldn't be protected as career bureaucrats. In other words, if you want the president to be elected by the people and to be able to put in the people that embody his vision, because that's why he was elected president or her vision, by the way, in the future, you should be able to replace people. In other words, to the victor go the spoils is one way to say it. Another way that would say it to me long ago, I was told by an African-American leader, a friend of mine, when I took over as an office in an office, she came to me and said, the new broom sweeps clean. Uh, the new broom sweeps clean. We want that. We want accountability but of the people. That's the point of our government. So President Trump's executive order is aimed at saying, hey, the people that are hired and when their jobs have are either confidential, uh, excuse me, are positions of a confidential policy determining, policy making or policy advocating character, end quote, then they should be a special category and be exempt from the rules that make it almost impossible to fire them. This is a little bit like, by the way, the Veterans Administration uh, uh, position uh, they had before Trump. They said you can't and you almost couldn't fire people at the VA. And Trump, with the Congress, passed a law that said, hey, we got to change the system so you can get rid of bad actors. He's got to make it better. And and, and it was a huge both Democrats and Republicans praised the president for getting that done. Well, this time, President Trump did by executive order. He said, it's my executive department. I'm changing the characterizations, the classifications, I suppose the word is, of of these certain federal workers, not all them so that when the next guy comes in he can fire them and uh and it makes total sense right well of course he was sued he was sued by one of the unions that wants to make it so that all of these folks are protected uh for all time and that's the problem everybody you have to know draining the swamp takes much more effort and a longer time than people can believe all right. Now, let me um, let me go, go over somewhere else. I mentioned earlier and I just want to come back to this. I mentioned in the open uh, what you need to know, the Daily Wink, uh, that um, the question was about daily, uh, excuse me, early voting. 
So there's a, a big number of early voting. You know, 71 million people have already voted. They will say some of these quotes. Well, that includes early voting, absentee ballot, and, and uh, as well as um, uh, mail-in ballots. And um, the fact is, the um, the the data now shows that of the people that voted, and one example is in Florida. One example in Florida, uh, just 24 percent. Uh, excuse me, just 21% of the 6.4 million Florida voters who voted so far say they're unaffiliated. Um, so in other words, they um, they are, and that's not a big number, and by the way, unaffiliated can also mean you still have a party. Uh, most people that are voting are decided. And uh, the, the contrast here on the this is the, of the 8 million who haven't yet voted in Florida, 33% of them are so-called unaffiliated, meaning the people who are voting early by percentage are the people who are partisans, or have decided. That would be my argument. And I think that the fact is that we're, maybe the turnout will be massive. It could be. But the massiveness of the turnout will be directionally, at least early, in the direction of you're, you're already decided. And part of what I'm saying there is I do think that Joe Biden is paying a price. You're seeing the polls tighten and, and flip in places like Pennsylvania, in places like Michigan, Wisconsin, because I think you're going to see that people are paying attention down the stretch. And those people that haven't voted are going to get to the polls and they're going to be different than you might think. Now, one other aspect of this, I believe we're going to see something extraordinary on Election Day. It may be that there's record turnout, but if you have half the people vote early because of many, many states have promoted this and you have half the people voting earlier because they're afraid of COVID and they'd rather go when they can control it and not have to worry about going to a polling place and seeing too many people, which I have heard and seen some uh, evidence of, you may have very quiet Election Days. I mean, relatively, you may have relatively quiet election days, not like in 08, where, you know, big turnout with Obama on the ballot meant that there was big, uh, you know, big um, uh, lines and, and, and massive things. You may see a quieter election day. It will, of course, still be chaotic, I suspect, when you get to the end of the day and you're trying to get polling uh, done. And of course, in places like Philadelphia, will there still be rioting there? Black Lives Matter is rioting. Uh, has anybody ever asked this out loud? Why doesn't why doesn't Joe Biden tell Black Lives Matter, who are more attuned to him politically than to anyone else, tell them to stop the rioting? I saw the family of the man who was uh, who, who was um, I guess he was mentally ill and who went towards police with a with a knife and was shot and killed in Philly. And the father of that young man, a youngish man, too, said, please, there shouldn't be looting. This is crazy. This isn't what my son would want. If you if you want to honor his memory, please don't loot. I'm not sure it's going to do any good, but there you have it. Anyway, I want to wrap those few things up. Well, don't forget, go to pro America, uh, excuse me, pro America report.com and sign up for the daily wink. You'll get more of this in the daily, uh, in your daily email inbox, five o'clock Pacific time. It comes in your inbox, 5 a.m. or 8 a.m. on the East coast. Uh, you want to get signed up there over pro America report.com. Okay. Thank you as always to our great uh, technical director, Randy, who's been filling in uh, for Noah. Uh, Noah will be back next week in time for the election. And thank you to Joanna for booking these great guests and don't forget up on social media ed martin live on facebook ed martin at eagle ed martin on twitter i will post all these uh, segments and all these authors of blog posts and books and we'll go from there thank you for listening we'll be back tomorrow ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then